you know, like many authors, I have other author friends. And sometimes we commiserate over the horrible, horrible, evil things that people say about us in our work. Stevens. I am the New York Times and award-winning best-selling author of the Vanessa Michael Monroe thrillers and I'm here today with this uh, Taylor Stevens show podcast with my good <laughs> friend uh, Steve Campbell and we today are going to talk about when a bad review is actually really good. Okay how can that be? How can a bad review really be good? Okay so it's a psych psychological thing and, and um, I this, this, this whole conversation came about is because I have, you know, like many authors, I have other author friends. And sometimes we commiserate over the horrible, horrible, evil things that people say about <laughs> us in our work. <laughs> because we're sensitive souls and we put on a brave face and we try not to let anybody know that it got to us. But sometimes it does. And as you progress through this and you have more books come out, your thin skin gets thicker and you don't care as much. But I got to thinking about it. And um, I realized that sometimes bad reviews can actually really, really work to your favor, especially on sites like Amazon. And I'm not exactly sure. It doesn't really work the same way in Barnes & Noble. It can. But essentially marketplace sites where people are reading reviews while they're deciding whether they're going to make a purchase or not. And I'm going to talk about Amazon specifically just because it's the easiest and everybody knows it, but it's not like an endorsement saying go buy books from Amazon or anything. All right. Let me just jump in here and say that as a longtime Amazon customer, because I'm a book nut, I tend to not pay a lot of attention to reviews on Amazon for books. I pay attention to reviews on other things. So what I will do is go and look at a few of the really good reviews, and then I will click on the one-star thing so I can see all the one-star reviews. And if if all the one-star reviews are, this was really good, except it was two days late getting here, then I know, oh, this is a pretty good product. I can buy it. Well, you're not unique in that. I mean, I think about my own shopping habits on Amazon, and um, oftentimes when I'm searching for a product, and I'm not even planning to buy it from Amazon, but I just want to get kind of an idea of how that product works, I'll go to Amazon because I know that they're going to have a ton of reviews there. Mm -hmm. You know, on, on the product's own website, there might be, you know, five or six reviews, but you'll find a hundred of them on Amazon. So I'm like, well, that's where I'll go just to get some feedback. But I never go read the five-star reviews. I never do it. When I really want to know, for, you know, I'll say, okay, this product has a four-star rating. So I already know basically it's good. So what's wrong with it? What's not working? I, you know, I've already know that it's in my running for things that I might be interested in. So I will go and read the, the negative reviews. But, and, and I know I'm not alone in that. I've talked to so many people about it, and you just reaffirmed that, in which case, yes, it is, it is a, a human thing. We, anybody who, not everybody does read reviews, but for those that do, it, you know, you check out what's wrong first. So Amazon also has this feature where it will show the highest, the most helpful positive review and the most helpful negative review. And what I realized is that if there is a most helpful negative review that is actually a pretty decent review um, saying, you know, well, it, it's not like there's different types of reviews. Some reviews are about the book and some reviews are just tar and feathering and, <laughs> and 
trashing the author. That's never helpful. It's not helpful to anybody who wants to know anything about the book. It's not helpful to the author. It's not helpful, period. But a really well-thought-out negative review, to have that be the most helpful negative review that everybody will see when they go to the review page, that's gold. That is so much better than having some tar and feathering being up there. So someone was telling me, you know, oh, this person wrote this amazing review about my book, how much they loved it. And then they gave it three stars. And I was like, well, thanks for nothing. And I'm like, no, 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 no. That is gold right there. That is gold. If you've got friends, you've got people who love you, who shop on that site, just get them to go like that comment and say that it's helpful and get it put up in the most helpful negative review. That's golden. Take it for the opportunity that it is. Now, I'm going to admit something that I very seldom admit, and that's that I don't know everything. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't think I've ever admitted that to you before. I'm just so glad that we have this recorded (laughs) for posterity. (laughs) I did not know that the negative review that they show was was something that had been voted up. That never crossed my mind. I, I knew that was the case with the positive review, but for some reason or other, I just thought they plucked out some random negative review and put it up there. Well, I'm, I could be wrong. but No, I think I you're think... probably right. It makes perfect sense that that's, that's what they would do. And they choose those negative reviews from the, the three, two, and one stars. And I've never really seen, at least on my books, a one-star review that was worth the time somebody took to write it. One-star reviews, and I'm sure they exist, but I haven't personally seen them on my books. One-star reviews tend to be tar and feathering. Mm -hmm. They don't say, they don't really get into what worked and what didn't work. Because if there was a one-star review that was like, this is what I loved about this book, this is what I hated about this book, that would work. Because that gives any um, person who's looking to see if this book would, gives them a fair sense of whether it would work for them. I don't want people buying and reading these books if it's not their, their thing, because they're going to be unhappy. And that's beside the point to, to have that in a very, this worked, this didn't, and I will never read one of these authors books again, but where it lays it all out. That's awesome. That's gold. That, that deserves to be in, in that, in that spot. But I find that generally speaking, the most helpful reviews of the negative version are going to be among the two and three stars. Well, that's very interesting. I was, I interviewed an author this morning for another show and she'd written a book that was a perma-free book where you give away the first book in a series for free. She's an indie author. And there were like 3,500 reviews for the book. And it was like a 4.3 star average rating, and the number one rated most helpful review was a two-star review. Ouch. Yeah, that w- it was bizarre. Well, I mean, I, I have those two um, on, on a couple of my books, but to have that high of a rating yeah, with I mean, it, that it, many it, reviews, that's, that's, that's amazing. It that's didn't awesome. make any sense, but it was also a very well thought out review, and it's like you're saying, it, and if it had been a three-star review, it would perfectly match up with what you're saying. But it was a two-star review, and right. so it, it, it floated up to the top, and it, you know, it didn't impact anything because, obviously, she just keeps getting more reviews, and, and you know, the book's free. 
But right. uh, I, I thought that was interesting. I'd never seen anything like that before. But I, I read through the review. I didn't agree with it, but it made it was coherent and it made sense. And there was a lot of information in it. Right. Now, the concept for, for this is completely different on a site like Goodreads. But Goodreads is different because it's more of a social networking site. And when people write a review on Goodreads, they're not necessarily writing for the world at large. They're writing for their small network of friends and fellow readers, even though it's read by the world at large. In general, when you I know you don't pay that much attention to your reviews, but in general, how would you compare the reviews for not just your book, for any author's books on on Goodreads and on Amazon? Um, well, they're always going to be you're going to get more helpful and higher rated reviews on Amazon because it's a it's a different a different audience and people are writing for different reasons. Um, Goodreads is kind of like <laughs> I've heard it said it's author hell. Um, where, I mean, there's just some really nasty, mean people out there because Goodreads is their platform for snark, which it's, again, it's, it's completely different because Goodreads is a social media. It's, it's networking. And so it's, it's, it's written for their friends to entertain their friends and how the author feels about it is completely irrelevant. I mean, that's, it's irrelevant anyway, but people who post on Amazon tend to take a little more care. In, in what they say or how they say it. It's, it has seemed to me, and that's what I've heard from other authors as well. And it's not entirely true that I don't pay attention to reviews. They don't affect me in the same way that they used to. And there comes a point where I just stop reading them. But when a book is new and it's first out, I do read the reviews because that's the only way that I can get any feedback. It's my touchstone to how it's resonating with the audience. And once it hits a certain number of weeks or a certain number of reviews and I just stop for, I guess the mask has been out now for about a month or so. Mm -hmm. I don't read them anymore. I, I, it's, it's too much, but that those first two or three weeks I'm reading them just to get some feedback. What's resonating with the audience? What are they liking? What are they not liking? What's working? Because then I know for the next book, as I go into it, I want to please as many of the readers as I can. So, I mean, it's impossible to please everyone. Absolutely impossible. But I'm going for the highest number possible within what these books are. Was was there a, a common theme for the reviews in The Mask that surprised you in any way? Yes, the timeline. That just mm. blew my mind. Um, I never thought in a million years, and I would have done it differently, that starting at day seven and then going to day minus 63 and counting up to day zero would create such havoc. The, the book is, except for the first chapter, completely chronological. But so many readers, I, I, I don't even know how many readers have missed that minus sign in the, in the count up. So uh, that just shocked, shocked the heck out of me. I don't know why. I, I don't know why I didn't expect it. I, it just seemed like such a simple thing that it couldn't be complicated, but apparently it was. Is that something that when you were going through the production process that, that you had some give and take with, with the publisher, or was this just something that, that you decided to do and no one ever questioned it? No, this was my idea. I mean, that's how it is. When, when you go into the editorial process, they might say, oh, this doesn't really feel like it's working. But I guess everybody in the, from the editorial side totally got it. Yeah. And so it never crossed anybody's mind that someone wouldn't get it. 
and that that happens with a lot of things. Um, I once had someone chew me out over email for my overuse of the word smirk in The Innocent. And God forbid I should ever use that word again. I won't now. Um, I'm like, no one ever mentioned it to me. Like when you're, when you're sitting there with 110,000 words in front of you and you've been working on something for six months to a year, that is a lot of words. And you never see it in the same rushed 24-hour reading that a reader will because you're just in it and in it and in it and in it. And you're just digging through the muck. So a lot of author ticks, overuse of words, all those things, you just don't see them until somebody points them out to you. And nobody had ever pointed that out to me. And so it just came as a shock to me. But thankfully, only one person ever did it. And what was really funny is I, I got the email chewing me out. I mean, like practically swearing at me and saying how much they just wanted to throw the book against the wall because it irked them so bad. And the next day, I got an email from the same person written as if the first one had never been sent. So I don't know if maybe they Hmm. were not completely there when they wrote it or what. (laughs) But, But all of that to say... As an author, you cannot, you just won't catch everything. You just can't. It's impossible because you're coming from the whole word on page experience completely differently than a reader would. And so readers are going to find things that even the publisher, the editor didn't see, that the copy editor didn't see, that the production team didn't see. It just happens. But from a, uh, when, when you look at it after a month, after two months, um, from a top down perspective, and you look at the reviews, uh, you gain something from that. And in this case, you gain the whole, wow, that was confusing, the whole thing that I did with the with the timelines, and that was a surprise. Was there anything else that, that surprised you? Well, it's always a surprise to me to see which books readers like best. Mm-hmm. And this one with the mask got a lot of positive feedback. Uh, readers just are all over it. Uh, not, all, not all of my readers. Um, the ones who loved the catch really, really love the catch, I'm not so into this one. And it's because the catch was so um, intellectual in a way. And because I got so much blowback on the catch, where people are just like, meh, I'm not feeling it, not enough action, not enough this, not enough that. I was like, well, fine then, here, have some action. (laughs) (laughs) So... So, so that's, that's a that's a top down look at at the reviews and and making a decision based on that. Yeah, it's exactly what that was. I'm like, fine, let them eat cake. <laughs> <laughs> let them have action, <laughs> and yes. we like action. No, action is fun. I mean, that I'm writing thrillers. That's what I'm I'm supposed to be doing. So if it goes too heady and too intellectual and pulls us out of the action, where people are are feeling the action isn't physical enough and they're unhappy, then I haven't done my job well. It might make some readers really happy because they're getting the they're getting the intellectual stimulation. But if if the majority of people aren't reading it for that, they're going to be disappointed. So what was I thinking? Let's give them what they want. So it's interesting and we're running out of time here. So we'll, we'll, we'll get wrap, we'll wrap up and we'll, we'll have some sort of a call to action, but it's interesting, this whole idea of reviews, there's so many moving parts here. There, there's the volume of reviews that come in that help Amazon or Barnes and Noble or whoever, um, 
select books to show to other people. There's the rating of the books themselves. Uh, there's the upvoting and downvoting, something that I have never seriously thought about before. So there are a lot of moving parts. So when 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 we say when you say that I don't really pay attention to the reviews after 30 days, that doesn't mean we don't need or you don't need reviews. How, how did I get how did this become we? When did this become we? <laughs> you don't need reviews. <laughs> and Wait, we're kind of a we. Be, because the, the reviews do help expand the reach of the series by making it visible to more people. Yes, my readers are writing reviews and they're doing it because they want to help me and they want to make sure that I know that they wrote them. And instead of just not writing it out of believing that I'm not going to read it, write it and then email it to me and say, hey, I wrote this or whatever. And I'll be like, awesome. And I'll (laughs) encourage you and say, thank you so much, because that's what I do. Um, And because I am really excited and I love knowing that people have my back and that that they're there. The the point I'm making in that I don't read them after a certain point isn't that I don't care. It's just that it's too much. It's too much to wade through at that point because Mm -hmm. there's just too many of them. Um, Not too many for the ratings, not too many for the algorithms, too many for me to read and still get my work done. So here's the call to action. If you have an author that you love, uh, a book that that you love, and you're going to already go leave a review, or if you're reading the reviews and you see um, and let's say on Goodreads, if you see uh, the, the best, the best ra- rated one, like the highest rated good review, and you're reading them there, just click on it and like it and support your authors in that way. And if you're on Amazon or one of those sites and you're reading through the reviews or leaving reviews and you see uh, a good negative review that you think will help support your author, then click on it and like it and give them your support in that way. And it would be fun to see if you know we can move mountains in that way to really give authors out there the support that they need in more than just, you know, the small ways. I mean, there's so many different things that go into supporting an author, and this would be a real simple, real fun and easy way to make a difference with just a click here or there. And that's that's really interesting, and it's counterintuitive to people like me who have never in the past voted uh, positively for a three-star review because I think I'm telling the author that, that I think the book is only worth three stars, and what you're saying is something completely different. Totally different. And I don't know how many authors go in there and go, oh, my God, somebody liked this bad review. I'm horrible. I mean, I wouldn't, but maybe somebody does. But if anybody hears this, we're not trying to hurt you, I promise. (laughs) But it makes perfect sense. The idea of elevating uh, the intelligently written average review, essentially. Yeah, and actually, it's it's kind of like voting with your money. It's you're voting with your intelligence, and you're 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 helping to elevate. That's exactly what it is. Elevate the intelligence in the review world. Now that is a call to action. (laughs) (laughs) We will be back next week with another episode, although I have no idea what it's going to be just yet. So, Taylor, thanks thanks for this this week, and everybody, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening, guys. See you next week.